Welcome to Growing in the Gospel with Father Zach Weber. It is the 27th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Welcome to Growing in the Gospel again. This is Father Zach, and we are here in the 27th Sunday of Ordinary Time. And this Sunday we're going to hear about marriage, and we're going to hear about how God made them male and female. And when we look at the gospel, we must always see it through the lens of the cross. We must always see it as a fulfillment of the cross and the resurrection. And Jesus came to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. So one thing I want to encourage you to start looking at when you look at the readings for Sunday is start the habit of looking at the first reading being fulfilled in the gospel. Again, the first reading being fulfilled in the gospel. Uh, this Sunday, you're going to hear from Genesis 2, 18 through 24. And the gospel is from Mark 10, 2 through 16. And when we look at those particular readings, you see an echo there. You see fulfillment there. And it's a very beautiful way of reading scripture. And also we'll hear um, in the responsorial psalm, you'll hear a lot of those psalms will reaffirm or re-echo the first reading. So as we grow in the gospel, it's important to call upon the Holy Spirit, pray with your scriptures, asking the Holy Spirit to convict your heart for conversion, for that metanoia, that conversion of heart, and for a deepening of the truth in the gospel and how to defend the truth in the gospel. Because as we read in marriage, this Sunday, we know that it's under attack and it's hard to understand in this culture that's so indifferent, that's very uh, attached to our emotions, which we call emotivism, and is very blind to the difficulty of marriage and the sacramentality of marriage. So, call upon the Holy Spirit, get out your scriptures, ask some friends to come over, really go deep with the scriptures, and ask the Lord to reveal you, reveal to you where He is calling you to dwell and remain with Him. And we hear in Mark 10, The Pharisees approached Jesus and asked, Is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? They were testing him. He said to them in reply, What did Moses command you? They replied, Moses permitted a husband to write a bill of divorce and dismiss her. But Jesus told them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. In the house of the disciple, in the house, the disciples again questioned Jesus about this. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And people were bringing children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he became indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me and do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Then he embraced them and blessed them, placing hands, his hands on them. So this is a beautiful gospel, and we could go deep, deep, deep on this particular gospel and talk about it for hours, but I'm going to spare you the hours and hopefully do this uh, within a matter of minutes. So when we look at this gospel, there are so many things happening. 
And we really have to place ourselves in the context of what is happening in this particular gospel. So when Jesus is approached by the Pharisees, they ask the question, is it lawful for a, for a husband to divorce his wife? And when we look at that, they're questioning him. It says they were testing him. So trying to catch him in a trap. And that happens often in the Gospels. But when they came to test him, the Pharisees are again trying to lay that trap for Jesus as a, a part of a strategy to eliminate him. And they anticipate he will deny their, their, the legality of divorce and so draw upon himself the wrath of Herod Antipas and his unlawful mistress Herodias. So think back to John the Baptist right now when that all happened. And we hear that as they try to trap Jesus, it is well known that Herod, the ruler of this territory and his consort, had abandoned their spouses in order to remarry. Now John the Baptist had been executed for condemning their unlawful union. You can read that in Mark six seventeen through 19 as he ministered to the very region. And the Pharisees hope Jesus will meet the same fate as John by making the same outspoken mistake. Now, just think of that. Like when we want to trap Jesus and we want to, John was beheaded, sometimes people want to cut off the head because the head gives a voice to the truth in the matter. So it's just really important to know that Jesus is, is not changing anything here. And when Moses permitted Israelite women Israelite lay men to divorce their wives under the old covenant, which you can see in Deuteronomy 24. This was a legal, a temporary legal concession tailored to the weakness of Israel. Now, Jesus revokes the Mosaic divorce legislation by returning to God's original intention for every married couple, lifelong monogamy. And since the dawn of creation, which we'll read in the first reading this Sunday, God designed marriage to be permanent, exclusive, and fruitful. However, since man's rebellion against God, the institution of marriage has suffered many distortion, distortions that have tarnished its God-given beauty. And this leads to an important question. Does Jesus reaffirm the permission of divorce stipulated in Deuteronomy 24? Or rather, does he revoke this concession and announce the indissolubility of marriage in the New Covenant? Now, the Catholic Church has consistently maintained that Jesus forbids divorce and remarriage. The bond unites the couple in the sacrament of matrimony, which was created by God and can be dissolved only by death of one's spouses. For men and women to remarry while their spouse is living is to commit adultery. See Matthew 19, see Romans 7. Now, Jesus' teaching on marriage and divorce and remarriage is unfortunately a source of controversy among, controversy among Christians. Much confusion tends to swirl around the statement in Matthew 19, 9, where Jesus says, Whoever divorces his wife, except for unchastity and marries another, commits adultery. No question. Does Jesus really make an exception to allow for divorce and remarriage? Since the rise of Protestantism in the 16th century, many non-Catholic groups have answered yes. And they began to appeal to this exception clause to justify divorce and remarriage in extreme circumstances. However, the, few, the view fails to interpret Jesus' statement in light of its intimate biblical context. So the disciples' response to Jesus' statement on divorce demonstrates that in, un, in their understanding, Jesus was leaving no room at all for divorce and remarriage. 
In fact, they, they, they viewed celibacy as preferable, an, a preferable alteration, alternative, excuse me, to marriage precisely because Jesus' teaching on this matter is so strict. So far from more than that of any of his Jewish contemporaries, the disciples' incredulous response to Jesus thus confirms the Catholic Church's constant teaching on the indissolubility of marriage. So that's a lot to digest, so you're probably going to listen to that again, but just really want to encourage you to really look at what the church teaches, what Jesus is actually saying, and not leaving room for misinterpretation. And even Jesus goes back to the book of Genesis, from the beginning God made them male and female, for this reason a man shall leave his wife, or a man shall leave his father, excuse me, and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And ultimately that comes down to the unitive aspect of marriage, and the procreative aspect of marriage, and that is why marriage can only be truly between one man and one woman, knowing that all are created in the image and likeness of God, but to be procreative, you have to, be, have to have a male and a female, and that one union flesh is ultimately found in the child. So what God has joined together, let no man separate. And we have to really be honest because our culture is trying to separate that. When they ask about, about divorce, Divorce and remarriage are prohibited in the New Covenant. To divorce and remarry is to commit adultery, which is where the church has its stance on annulments, which annulment means to search for, and there are separate cases where it can be annulled and the person can be remarried. In case extreme cases of abuse, uh, in cases where the marriage is sick or was never a true marriage in the, in the first place. And when we look at Jesus in this particular instance, instance in, in Mark's readers in ancient Rome, where men and women share the right to initiate divorce, this double warning may also evoke the well-known story of, again, Herod and Tip Antipas, illicit union with Herodias, since both of them abandoned their respective spouses before unlawfully marrying. And Jesus ends by saying, let the children come to me. So when Jesus blesses children, he attaches great practical, the great practical importance of his teaching on the indissolubility of marriage. And he's placing the child in front of them saying, do you not know that your marriage is made one flesh in your child? Think of the children and how a divorce could hurt them. So children, after all, are the fruit of marriage. And they are the ones who stand most affected by the tragedy of, a, of divorce. And God's intends to, God intends them to be raised and blessed in the security of a healthy family. So Jesus welcomes children in the kingdom of God and so lays a foundation in the church's practice of, instant, of infant baptism. So when we look at that, I also want to challenge anybody who's listening to this to really look at what you said when you baptize a child, to raise them in the faith, to get, help them get to know the truth, to train them in the ways of the commandments to train them in the ways of how to pray daily and how to live an upright life by going to confession. I would say monthly is where we need to be as a, as a church. And to really look at how when we go to confession, our baptismal vows are renewed and we're washed clean in the blood, the blood and water of Jesus and we get a new start. So as we go forward, notice that it says, He took them in His arms and blessed them and laying hands upon them. When was the last time that you asked somebody to pray over you, to pray for your marriage to be strengthened? 
because this is normal Christian stuff to have he'll pray over you, to ask for help. So as we go forward in this particular Growing the Gospel, I'm going to play a song called Love's First Dance. And if you are married and you're listening to this, I want you to just recall those times when you and your spouse fell in love, when you were married, why you married your spouse, and to rejuvenate that. And the best way of rejuvenating your marriage is to go to confession as a couple. Know that marriage in Christianity, especially in the Catholic Church, is upheld with utmost importance. We're not messing around when it comes to marriage. But we need to go back to those solid habits and even form new habits that are going to promote healthy, holy, and normal marriages. And I would say one way is by going to confession monthly as a couple. And if you do this, I guarantee you, your marriage will be stronger and your children who are placed in front of Jesus in this particular gospel will see what a healthy, happy, and holy and normal marriage looks like. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
sing out a song on the day of the joy, the day of the joy of our heart.